Hello, and welcome to the Core Intentions Podcast. I'm your host, Asia Johnson, along with my co-host and father, Sydney Johnson. We are thrilled that you chose to join us today. In this podcast, we create space for socially conscious conversations around the impact of big and small business while showcasing the stories of the people behind them, starting at the core of their why. We'll dive into sustainability, technology, supply chain innovation, and inclusion, equity, and diversity. We believe that good business and lasting impact starts with intention, and we are excited to go down the journey of discovery with you. So let's get into it. I noticed that there was a big gap missing. One, a lot of people who owned fashion brands or upcoming fashion brands didn't understand how technology such as analytics or like augmented reality or just cool software can really help run their businesses. There's not like a pathway. Um, there's not a blueprint. There's literally not a lot of information out there on like how to be successful. There's so many tech innovations out here that has not even hit the market. That was the first time I knew I'm like, okay, I am onto something and I don't know how I'm gonna do it, but when I get back to the States, I have to figure it out. Welcome to the Core Intentions Podcast, a podcast where we sit down with industry leaders, visionaries, entrepreneurs, movers and shakers, you name it, and we seek to better understand the core of who they are, their why journey, including the impact of their journey on people, planet, society, and business. Um, Dad, how are you doing today? Good I to have you here, and we're in the same room today, so yeah, that's something yeah, different. Yeah, different for us, so we're, uh, I'm doing well today. I'm inspired and I'm excited about today's podcast and uh, ready to get into it. Ready to get into it. So just as a reminder to our audience, my name is Asia Johnson, here with my father, Sidney Johnson. We are the co-hosts of the Core Intentions podcast. We are so excited today to have a really special guest on the Core Intentions podcast. We have Koi Griffin today. Uh, she is an author, a TEDx speaker, a content creator, the founder of Your Own Creativity, or Yoke, a fashion technology consulting firm. She's also the co-founder and executive of operations for CIAFE, which stands for the Council for International African Fashion Education. And she's also a senior manager of analytics at a New York-based firm. I mean, like, what, <laughs> what does Koi not do? So welcome to the Core Intentions podcast. Koi, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you so much for joining us today. So let's kick off this conversation. Uh, we always want to know a little bit more about our guests and give them opportunity to introduce themselves. So why don't you take the next couple minutes to kind of introduce us to uh, who you are and to our audience? Yeah, definitely. I'm Koi, and one of the main things that I do is work within fashion tech. I'm from New York City, specifically the Bronx, and I grew up um, with the Garifuna Honduran Central American culture. 
And that has played a part into everything that I do today. Um, I started my journey into fashion just growing up in New York, always seeing everyone dress up and look really good. I knew I wanted to work in fashion. Um, But then when I transitioned and started to figure out which colleges I wanted to go to, I noticed that fashion was a great job or like there were great fashion universities, but they didn't really study like the business of fashion or like the entrepreneurship side. So instead, I transitioned to um, instead, I decided to go to college um, that specialized in entrepreneurship, business and tech. So I attended Clarkson University. And that's where I learned the foundations of understanding how to start your own business. That's where I learned what data analytics was. And then I kind of moved into that direction. And upon graduating, I decided I kind of I wanted to get back into fashion. So I used my data analytics degree to try to figure out how I could become a buyer in fashion, because at the time there wasn't a lot of fashion tech jobs. <laughs> the only tech job, and I say that in quote, was like buyers or positions that would analyze data. And I thought that my degree would be a great use of that. But unfortunately, because I didn't have any fashion experience, I could not find a job in fashion. Um, Fortunately, I could get jobs within like IBM and Johnson & Johnson, but someone like Farfetch or Macy's would not accept me. So as a alternative, I started to intern for a variety of fashion tech startups in the city. And that's where I kind of got my foot in the door to understand the different opportunities. And as I continue to work at um, different jobs and different roles within the fashion tech industry, I noticed that there was a big gap missing. One, a lot of people who owned fashion brands or upcoming fashion brands didn't understand how technology such as analytics or like augmented reality or just cool software can really help run their businesses. So when I will attend fashion events with my friends, Um, And I would bring up like these cool tech initiatives. They would have no idea what I was talking about. So typically when I speak to small business owners or small, even mid-sized fashion brands, I'm usually the first person um, to discuss fashion technology to these brand owners. And with that, I identify that there's an opportunity for me to open my own consulting company where I'm teaching the fashion brands how to use technologies to really grow their business. Wow, that's an awesome journey, and it's really um, what got me super excited to connect with you a couple years back. You were someone on LinkedIn who had such a diverse background and really was one of the few folks doing what you were doing, um, fashion and technology, data analytics, bringing innovation into that space and really focusing in on those smaller brands who really wanted to scale and get their products out there into the marketplace. So I've always been really um Um, inspired by your journey. So thank you so much for sharing that with our audience. Um, So that naturally moves us into um, kind of our first area that we want to dive into, which is technology, right? Um, So here on the Core Intentions podcast, we are really excited about how technology is disrupting different spaces and how technology is creating um, access to um, products um, for different communities across the world. So would love to better understand your relationship with technology and, and maybe share a little bit more about that that moment where you started to focus in on fashion tech businesses um, exclusively. Yeah. So my relationship really came from learning the foundations of data analytics. 
Um, once I understood what data analytics was in college and learned how it was used across a variety of industries, that's when I knew that the fashion industry would be the best um, industry for me to really get started and practice those analytical skills I learned in college. So upon interning at fashion tech startups, um, I would learn how to create databases to just track um, different stylist names. So I would literally go on Instagram and create, find all of the stylists that I can and copy and paste their name, Instagram, and their email if I can find it and create like a fashion stylist database. And from there, the company that I was working with at the time would use that for outreach purposes. So that was kind of like the first very simple way of like getting my feet wet with like how I can use analytics or create a small database in an Excel sheet to really track what's going on in the internet. Once I identified that, my mind expanded to other technology. I'm like, if I'm able to find this on the internet with just like consolidating names of stylists, then there should be other tools that I can use for different areas in fashion. So from there, I learned about different softwares that were available to analyze um, clothes. So like what's going to be the next biggest trends for the next season. And the reason why that's important is because if you are if you own a fashion boutique and you have to constantly change the items that are in your boutique, it's important for you to understand which trends or which items are going to sell. So in order to keep up with those trends, it can be hard if you're just scrolling on social media because it's changing constantly. Um, as an alternative, you can use softwares or an fashion analytical softwares that will tell you the trends and what people are searching for. So when you are trying to figure out which items to put into your boutique, you can rely on the software as another resource to help you make that decision. Another big area that I'm starting to see and what really um, got me interested in the creative aspect is augmented reality. So if you've ever seen or used an Instagram filter, a Snapchat filter, that's all used with augmented reality. And when I started to see brands use it for like their logos or like, you know, face filters or just anything, I instantly thought this would be a great way for accessory brands to use the Instagram filters as like a virtual try-on. So with the filters, you know, there's like a overlay on your camera. So if you do sell a pair of earrings, you can create an earring filter and people can try on your different earrings and test out your product without even going to the store. So just seeing and watching the innovations within tech period and then watching what consumers were using, I would just follow those industry trends with tech and then see how it can relate into the fashion industry. And from there, I will create like a roadmap or a pathway to get brands to follow the trends. Um, as applicable. Yeah. Hey, hey, Coy. So stay, stay with that thought around technology mm -hmm. in this particular in this particular space. I, I grew up in automotive, so I'm my my head always wraps around uh, value, right? So as as these clothing companies are using the different software, the different tools, how do they assess from what you've seen the value that they're getting from the tool set? Right. You know, what are the metrics or you know, how, how are they assessing that value? Yes, 
That's a great question. And there are a few things. Um, one is how easy are the softwares and technologies to use? So like if there, if it requires a lot of work to learn the software or if consumers have to like download something or if there are a lot of barriers in order to understand the software, typically fashion brands won't use it because training time takes money away from, you know, you have to train on like a new software. And then consumers, if there's something that's new to the market where they have to download or do anything else or rather than just shop and click off a button, they're not going to use it. So definitely the ex- how accessible the technology is. Next is the data, right? So what is the sell-through rate? What are the, what, what's the engagement? So for example, if there is a, there are tons of fashion analytical software that will tell you if a blue shirt is going to sell more than a red shirt. So some of the KPIs that are important is like the sell-through rate, which is how how much will this item sell? Next is um, how many people are searching, so that keyword search. So is this even a valuable pop product? Do customers want this product? And then the last thing is, does it fit with their assortment? So if I am a fashion company and I'm known for selling white shirts or just white items in general, I'm not going to add a blue shirt to my assortment because it doesn't fit my overall brand aesthetic. So the biggest misconception technology companies have with trying to collaborate with fashion brands is they think if they have like great data or if their technology is cool, then fashion brands are going to jump on it. If the technology does not fit with the brand identity of that fashion brand, and if that fashion brand is not open to trying something new or innovative, the collaboration will never work. So for me, it's really important to identify the brand's identity and making sure that your tech solution relates to it and is clearly, clearly helps resolves that specific brand's problem. I hope that answered your question. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that was spot on. Um, there's so many different angles we could take this conversation because I'm curious to learn a little bit more about. So you're having conversations with the brands themselves, right? Uh, but you mentioned this idea that tech companies may not necessarily understand that customer challenge, especially when it comes to fashion technology and fashion brands in general. So. Are you having those conversations or how are you driving those conversations with, you know, uh, technology uh, brands and um, kind of the bigger players to ensure that they're aware of those needs? Yes. Great, great question. So I go about it in two ways. I do have tech partners who specialize in very specific areas. So I partner with a augmented reality company called Live Shows, and they are based in Vancouver. And with our partnership, I really help them. I provide them with recommendations on what they should add to the software to make it more usable for fashion brands. And we also work together to make sure that we are able to add different elements to their software where we can expand like the augmented reality experience. So this is a great software, which I recommend to almost anyone who wants to get their foot wet in um, AR because for the software, you literally just have to import any JPEG image, where, which can be a screenshot some, or a photo you already have into your phone, place it into the software, and you can see your augmented reality filter in your phone. You don't have to download an app. You don't have to um, 
use anything special. You don't need another gadget. It's literally already set in your phone. What makes this collaboration super important is I'm constantly hearing from fashion brands that one, their customers just need something super easy where they don't have to relearn something. The software does just that. And the second thing is there are, they also want a technology experience that isn't like corny or very, just very fake. Um, With the software, you're able to customize it to the brand's identity. So really partnering with technology partners who see the vision and who are open to taking feedback is super important to me. Another tech partner I have is a 3D software agency called Bomb Labs, and they're based in Ghana. We work very closely together to create these 3D experiences, these 3D fashion shows, and we really watch the industry. So for every project that we collaborate together, we look at the pros and cons of what we've done, what worked, what didn't, and then we take those learnings and add it to the next project. Yeah, as, as you was talking about your tech partnerships, right, and, and making sure you make that linkage between brands and, and such. The thing that came to mind to me was you, you're creating this ecosystem uh, around your business that, that, that puts that thread through the front end to the back end from the technology to what the partners want to be. That's what it sounds like to me. And did, did, did you learn this as you went about building and growing the business or did someone help you understand that these are, this is what the ecosystem needs to like to be successful? Great question. So I learned this on the way. (laughs) The fashion tech industry is very small and super niche. So there's not like a pathway. Um, There's not a blueprint. There's literally not a lot of information out there on like how to be successful. So I learned how to partner and to create this ecosystem by just trial and error. I have worked on Yoke for five years and on year four, (laughs) that was the year where everything started to make sense. And that's when I knew, okay, I need help. I need other innovators within the space in order to see my business grow and in order to really provide fashion brands with what they needed. So just using what I learned from like the previous years that's really what helped me identify um, how to build this ecosystem. And lastly, I listened to a lot of podcasts <laughs> at that time because I, there was a point where I didn't know where I wanted to go with the brand. Um, so I, was, I would listen to like the Gary Vee podcast and really just he would emphasize trying different things to see what will stick. Um, and from there, I would just literally just contact different people in tech contact different people in fashion and then wherever I would identify patterns like let's say everyone in fashion would say we don't understand tech and then everyone in tech would say they're not using our products (laughs) I would identify like the top three patterns that I keep hearing from the tech my tech partners and from the fashion brands and then I'll figure out how do I how do I find a solution for all of those three and all of my solutions came from collaborations I couldn't do it alone Um, Even now, I rely heavily on my team to get a lot of the content out. And the best part is most of my partners, probably 90% of my partners are international. They are not based in the U.S. Um, And typically 
when I am having conversations about fashion technology, a lot of the people I um, meet with or discuss it with are not in the U.S. They are in like Africa or like Canada or <laughs> in Europe. They're not here. Good. Um, that's super interesting because we are constantly trying to better understand that journey of discovery as a founder, as a business leader. And it sounds like, you know, from day one, you're like, I'm learning as I go. Right. But it sounds like your passion and connecting with people drove you to be successful. Um, so can you kind of speak to a couple of the, the moments in that journey or along that journey when you felt most aligned with this career path and this life path? Yes. Great question. The first time, a lot of people, I don't think I've ever said this like publicly, but I actually founded Yoke while I was studying abroad in Hong Kong. And there was an exhibition, there was a Burberry exhibition at the time. And it was basically highlighting um, how Burberry got started to where they are now, like the timeline history of Burberry. And I remember while I was in the exhibition, there were so many cool like tech elements um, just like the presentation of the gallery, the presentation of all of the clothes, it was just super innovative, but I didn't see anything like that at, the, at that point in time. And from there, I would go to like the Hong Kong fashion exhibitions that they will host each year and to their fashion shows. And I just the way everything was ran so seamlessly, like they were using iPads for everything. And this was um, five years ago. So a lot of people in the States weren't doing that, like fashion shows, or they just were not incorporating tech into their experiences. Um, so there was iPads every, everywhere. Everything was digital. So like there was QR codes before QR codes were being used heavily. And I was just, remember, I was just amazed, like, wow, there's so many tech innovations out here that has not even hit the market in the U.S. I remember seeing a smart mirror where you can like walk, basically pick your outfits onto your mirror and like scroll through kind of like the, like the mirror in Clueless. Um, so like, and there's a mirror you have, like you can see yourself, but then you can tap the mirror and see the different outfits in your closet. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> Kyle, can, if they're making stuff like that in New York, like you can barely get help in a fitting room, you know? <laughs> so just to see, the innovation in Asia, that was the first time I knew. I'm like, okay, I am onto something and I don't know how I'm going to do it. But when I get back to the States, I have to figure it out. Um, so that was like the first thing. The second time was in 2020 Clubhouse. I started the Fashion Technology Clubhouse Club and I didn't know... I didn't know what it was gonna, what I was going to do with it. I just remember registering the club and I'm like, one day, one of these days, I'm going to like set up a room and talk about fashion tech. And I kept thinking, I need someone to help me. Like I want someone else to um, be my co-host because I just think it will have a larger impact. So I reached out to, um, to someone via Instagram. His name was Elijah Diaz. And we just decided we were going to co-host the Fashion Technology Club and it grew like we would host it every Thursday and people would just join in and and literally ask different questions about fashion tech. So we started with like 200 people in a room and not, right now we have 22K 
people interested in a fashion tech clubhouse room. And that's actually how I received my, a lot of my collaboration. So like my collaboration with live shows that was from clubhouse. Um, a lot of the work that I do with certain partners were from clubhouse. I received clients from clubhouse. Um, so once I identified how much people were interested in fashion tech, I'm like, okay, I am right on where I needed to be because for a long time, like no one would really understand what I was doing. When I would go to fashion brands or to these large fashion companies, they would say, no one needs it. But now those same clients or potential clients at the time, they're the ones reaching out to me for help or to help them understand specific um, topics within like the metaverse or like NFTs, et cetera. So yeah, the Hong Kong and Clubhouse probably were the two moments um, within my company that made me realize, okay, I need to keep going. Yeah. Hey, I did have a, so in Clubhouse, as an example, a lot of Q&A, great discussion, brand building, et cetera. Do, do you have much conversation or is there a lot of uh, discussion around sustainability? In the yes. Yes, great question. So when we hosted the room on a weekly basis, we did have a room about sustainability. And since it wasn't my forte or Elijah's forte, we would invite speakers who specialize in fashion sustainability. So with that, um, the our speakers would like, first we would start with like a few questions asking the speaker, like what's sustainability? How can fashion brands incorporate it into their um you know, into what they're creating. And then we'll open it up to the audience. The audience will be like, I love the audience because they would be super engaged. They would give us recommendations of like different databases fashion brands can go to to find like different sustainability products. They would teach us about mushroom fabrics or like milk fabrics. So we will have really in-depth conversations about sustainability and those conversations would be would spark would be sparked from the guest, but most of them were sparked from the audience because the audience will always um, provide us additional resources about whichever topics we were hosting at the time. That's good. Yeah, I think that's the power of platforms like Clubhouse. You know, I think there's conversation about like, is this you know technology here to stay? You know, is it truly sustainable? Is it accessible? Um, but to be honest, you know, what you did is really um, inspiring because you saw an opportunity to really get your brand out there and to connect with um, customers, with brands, with other, um, you know, professionals in this space who are trying to connect as well. And I think it's really um, awesome to see platforms like Clubhouse create an opportunity for people to connect, to do good in the world, right? To create opportunities mm -hmm. in this space, to spread information and knowledge. Um, and so that's where I think platforms like Clubhouse can be super valuable and has a true social impact, right? So that's really awesome to hear about your journey with Clubhouse. Um, so kind of transitioning into this topic of inclusion, diversity, and, and equity, um, I'm curious to better understand how you are integrating um, or how you think about inclusion, equity, and diversity um, as part of your strategic discussions that you're having with your business mm -hmm. partners as building your brand, um, even with key partners, how are those conversations going? Obviously, this is related to the work you're doing 
as a fashion technologist with your consulting business, but also with the CIAFE. So we'd love to hear your thoughts there. Yes, great question. Um, so for Yoke, I always wanted to introduce people from communities like me. Like I grew up in the Bronx, so I wasn't exposed to technology as much as I would have liked growing up. So for me, giving back to people within my community or community similar to similar to to mine um, was super important. So for Yoke, I would have a lot of conversations with local high schools or like um, high school programs or even middle school programs to introduce kids to technology, but in a cool way. From there, I kind of noticed that it was hard for me to focus primarily on fashion tech and give other people who were interested in opportunities into fashion technologies because that pathway and that blueprint is just so new that I didn't feel comfortable with like telling young kids, hey, you should get started in fashion technology, knowing that one, the industry right now is predominantly white. Um, there's not a lot of people who look like me really like doing um, a lot of the work and that's getting the responsibility or getting the recognition, I should say, for the work that they are doing. Um, so I didn't feel comfortable with really promoting a lot of people getting started into fashion tech because I know with my experience, um, it just wasn't friendly or as open as we would have liked. One, fashion itself is very hard industry. And then when you add tech on top of that, um, just merging both of those, you can under, you can probably imagine how difficult it is really getting started there. So for me, I didn't feel comfortable promoting um, or really encouraging kids to get started into fashion tech without there being a proper pipeline to make sure that they can succeed. So Frederica, who is the co-founder of um, CF, she reached out to me to start this nonprofit for um, which where we help and provide resources for fashion education. So with our resources, this was like the perfect alignment because one, fashion tech is a great industry and I want people to get into it, but we need to have the resources and the pipeline available to make sure that they're successful. So CF helped me um, create the game plan to make sure that a lot of people on the continent, a lot of people from underserved communities really have the resources that they need in order to get started. So some of the initiatives that we do at CF is like tech skills workshops where people can learn about um, how to get started in fashion technology. I did a session on augmented reality. In addition to that, we also have digital skill programs. So these digital skill programs really teach people the basic skill sets of like how to use Canva, how to write business emails, how to write PowerPoints, because um, you have to remember when you are working with people who want to get started in an industry that they know nothing about, you sometimes it's very important to emphasize the basics just so that they are set up for success when they do apply for that job. Certain things like Canva or PowerPoint may seem pretty basic for someone who is a professional within the industry, but if you've never been exposed to these things, um, how would you know? So for us, we wanted to make sure that people are well-equipped, especially people within the African continent, to have those skills so they can compete and really um, succeed within fashion. In addition to that, since I am a huge promoter of tech, we did partner and collaborate with other companies who 
really promoted like inclusion, equity, and diversity. So we hosted a coding skills workshop, um, which ran for about four weeks. And I loved it because in this workshop, we were able to sign up 12 students who wanted to learn how to build a website from scratch. So not using Squarespace or Shopify, but really learning the nitty gritty of the code. So like CSS and HTML. The platform we partnered with, which is called Life is Tech, they provided us um, their gaming platform. So instead of learning to code with like a lecture, they were actually learning through a game. So like there would be a prompt. And if you would write the, the code successfully, then you move forward to the next level. This was so successful because a lot of the students, one, they did not know anything about coding, but by the end of the class, they had a full understanding of HTML and CSS and they have a thirst for learning more. Now, a lot of the students want to get started in tech because they got a taste of like what they can do with it and building their own website. So CF is a huge and very important initiative for me because it's, it ensures that not only are people exposed to these new things within the fashion industry, but we are also providing them the pipeline to be successful within, within it. I like my question. You answered my question because one of the notes that I took before the call was, how did you get connected with the content? And, and I think you, someone reached mm -hmm. out to you. and okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I can actually tell you. So... Frederica Brooks, Frederica Brooksworth, she's an educator based in the UK and in Ghana, and she's worked at the London College of Fashion. She is just awesome. She created a platform at the time called Fashion Scholar, where she would provide resources for students who wanted to get started in fashion, but didn't like have the opportunity to go to like fashion universities. I thought her idea was brilliant. I fell in love with her content. So one day I just DM'd her like, hey, I work in fashion tech and I think this will be a great way to collaborate on a talk. We did one Instagram live together at the height of um, 2020. And during this Instagram live, um, at the time of the Instagram live, Hanifa, she Hanifa is a fashion designer who released a 3D digital fashion show. And it went viral all over the internet, everywhere. And... Frederica and I already planned on having a fashion um, Instagram live about 3D technology, but we just decided to do it that same week. That live was so successful that we had people from WGSN, which is like a fashion analytics platform, from Clo3D, which is a, a, um, the, a software, fashion tech software, just these big name people joining our Instagram live. And we had over 137 people on this Instagram live and everyone was super engaged from there. We knew that we just needed to work together because it just happened so organically when we really developed a relationship, a business relationship and like a friendship after that Instagram live. Um, so Frederica has always been interested in um, fashion education and she does have ties within Ghana. So when she came to me about this idea, I was like, of course, like this is perfectly aligned because this is giving the pathway to give people those resources, just as we discussed. It's awesome. That is awesome. I love that story. Yeah, that um, that moment uh, was so powerful, and and seeing that virtual fashion show, I think really, especially during that time during the pandemic when everyone was at home, 
needing some inspiration, needing to connect, like that was super powerful. So I'm so glad to hear that you were able to take that opportunity and really start to um, expand your brand and create a pipeline, right, for folks in the space. So awesome to hear. Um, so let's transition into our rapid fire questions. Okay. The first question we have for you today, Boy, <laughs> is tell us what is a favorite current listen or, or book that you're reading or podcast or whatever resource that you're currently engaging in? Yes. I listen to one podcast every morning and it's eight minutes long and it's called Make Your Damn Bed Podcast. And it's, it's basically a morning podcast. Literally, I make it while I'm making my bed in the morning. As soon as I, I wake up, I'm listening to it. And this eight-minute podcast is literally just like these positive affirmations or these cool topics um, about life. Like, it has nothing to do with business. It has nothing to do with anything but just these life tools. Um or just these tools that you can have in your pocket. So sometimes she covers topics about like relationships or family or just like taking time for yourself. And these reminders are just to have it like first thing in the morning have been great for me. I have been the most productive I think I've ever been in my life. Like I go to the gym at 7 a.m. I've never done that before. And now <laughs> I do. And I think it's because I changed my morning schedule. And instead of going straight to business, straight to checking my email, straight to Instagram, I'm doing like the intentional work of trying to better my internal self. So like business, making money, all of that is fun or, you know, it's good, but really making sure that like, my mental health or like the core elements of me are also being built is super um, important for me. So the podcast helps. <laughs> that is, that is awesome. awesome to hear. So, so I get the easy question for you. So just, 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 just tell us it, at any grade level, mm -hmm. favorite teacher and why? Yes. Okay. My favorite teacher has to be Mr. Abdul Sabor. He was my history teacher and global and my AP global history teacher. I think I was in 10th grade. It was 10th or 11th grade, one or two. And Mr. <laughs> Abdul Sabor, <laughs> I can't remember. He really expanded my mind into what's out there in history. Um, so I went to a charter school basically from like fifth through 12th grade, the same school. And so we knew we were basically, I was with the same 100 students my entire life. We know everything about each other but that class was the most impactful because he exposed us to since it was a global history we learned more about like slavery and like the history of like things that would happen in Africa I remember us learning about like different empires back then at the time I didn't even know um that we had like African empires and stuff so like he just exposed us to a history of like that I no one no one talked about and for me to learn that in 10th or 11th grade is pro is really sad to be honest and what made made it even sadder is he was an AP teacher so I was lucky enough to be in an AP class so imagine all of the other students who weren't in AP classes who didn't get that and who was not getting that history or that information so Mr. Abdusabor if I ever find you on LinkedIn I'm gonna say thank you <laughs> <laughs> exposure exposure mm -hmm. honestly and and when you are spending uh, most of your life in the classroom you know you depend on folks 
um, like that teacher to, to expose you to um, information that is important for you as you're going through life and trying to develop your identity and trying to figure out what path you're going to take in life. So I'm glad you had that um, great experience with that teacher. Shout out to, what's the teacher's name again? Mr. Abdul Sabar. Mr. Abdul-Savar, okay. Yes. (laughs) All right, so our final rapid-fire question for you today, Koi, is imagine you are sitting on a beach, any beach in the world. I don't know if you have a preference for beaches, Caribbean Mm -hmm. or Hawaii, I don't know. I'll say Bali because I want to go there one day. (laughs) So you're in Bali, you're reflecting on your life in the distant future, what thoughts, ideas, or actions would bring you peace of mind? My first thought would be my family. So I grew up with um, primarily with my mom and my older brother and my younger sister. And just from me going to college and like being exposed to so much, I have been able to bring that back to my family and teaching them. For example, I taught, I encouraged my mom to invest into like a data analytical company. So that I knew was going to be like the next big thing in 10 years. I told her, I told my brother and because they listen, now they're seeing a lot of press about it. And they're like, Oh my God, I would have never known this if you didn't tell me. So I think just being able to give my family like these tidbits of information and to help guide them to a place wherever they want to go within their journey. To me, that's my biggest accomplishment because I didn't go away to college or like, I'm not doing all of these things for me. I'm doing it to make an impact for my family. Like what's good is it for me to be the only one in Bali on the beach if my family can't afford to do it, you know, um, on their own without, without me being the one like bringing them there. So it's very important that all of the knowledge I'm getting, I'm sharing it with the people I love or just with anyone so that they're able to use it in a way that's beneficial to them to build what they want to build. So that's what brings me the biggest peace of mind, just knowing that my family is like self-sufficient in whatever journey or path that they that they decide to choose. She's selfless. I like that. Shout out to Miss Griffin. Um, (laughs) Miss Fernandez. She's a Fernandez. (laughs) Okay, Miss Fernandez. Yes. Let's get it corrected. We want to shout her out appropriately. Yes. Amazing human. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much, Koi, for the conversation. Thank you. So enlightening. Again, so inspired by your journey. Um, We appreciate you sharing your your insight, um, and we look forward to seeing. Um, your growth and and where you take your your brand and your business in the future. Thank you for having me. This has been amazing. Thank you so much. It it was beautiful. Thank you. Very nice to meet you as well. I'll be one. Yes. (laughs) 